Shkrech, everyone. Thank you for coming, everybody. The month of Tevet is sponsored by Alon and Jenny Engwinoff, Lilin Dishmat Avram, Chaybin Yosef Shimon. And the week is sponsored in memory of Shira Tzivya Bat Avram and Lilin Dishmat Rut Avraham Bat Yedidia Vidvora and in memory of Sarah Reitzah Bat Sion Bat Avram Yaakov and Leash Bat Shmuel Eliezer. Today, specifically, is sponsored by Jody and Zev Stender in memory of Jody's Abba, Mickey Wong, Yosef Chaim Ben Yechiel Zichon Libracha on his eighth yurtzeit. I had the schuss of, of knowing him, and it's a beautiful, beautiful yid. Henish Masav Tzura Vitzura Chaim. Okay, and I have to give a, a big, big welcome to someone that's like my second mommy. That's Susan. That's right here. Anyway, she's hiding for a perfect reason, but I don't care. I'm gonna. You've embarrassed me plenty in my life. I'm gonna embarrass you too. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So we are okay. So I just to explain again, on the sefer, the ones that have the sefer, it's kuf zayin. The pages that I gave out, it's kuf yud zayin. It's don't, don't ask why. You have the newer version. I made copies from the older version. So, but we're we're starting from the words af mishezacha. Do you see those words? Okay. So I want to address the following thing, and it may sound. Uh, it may sound so off what I'm about to say, but I think that when you understand the deeper context of the observation, you'll, you'll be okay with, <laughs> with understanding why we're, why we're speaking like this. Essentially, if everything that we're trying to do in our life is to feel close to Hashem, then how come feeling close to Hashem doesn't always feel that great? <laughs> or... Why doesn't it really last that long? Or further, why doesn't it necessarily satiate us? Why doesn't it fulfill us the way that we speak about, like, you know, in in an ideal situation, if I had this, I'd be fully satiated. Now, quite often, I'll speak to parents, and I'm going to say this, especially mothers, that reached a certain point in their life where there's a really big term, there's something really like an inner milchama going on inside an inner war. What, what is it based on? That before they were married, all they thought, they thought that all that they want to do in this world is to just be a mommy. And they said, if I can only be a mommy, I'd be, that's all I ever want. And then, a little bit later in life, they're mommies, they have children, they feel... They love their children, oddly die. It's, no, it's not a shy about the love for the children. But they start to have an inner war, saying that that which they thought would satiate, would, would be enough, they want to also do more. And they have this inner battle of saying, what, what is this? Like, is there something wrong with what I'm saying right now? Is, meaning that which I thought would fulfill me, uh, does it say anything about my love for them that it doesn't fully fulfill me and I actually want to do other things as well? So obviously it gets into a Ashkafe question also, but I'm just pointing out that sometimes the things that we think are going to fill us and be everything we need is not always this, it's not always the case. But when it comes to closeness to Hashem, it's very confusing because everything that everything that we learn everything that we've been educated with, it drives us to, to, to the notion of, if I have that, if I have closeness to Hashem, I should have everything, then machasevi. What, what don't I have? What's missing? Okay. 
That was for the Kfira moment of the morning. You're okay so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. What about before that? Why do we have expectations? Of what? Of which one? Of, of, of receiving what we imagine or think that we should, or we're talking about it in a battle. You're talking about when it comes to close to Hashem? Right. I think it has to do a lot with how it's, what's written, how we've learned, you know, what we've been told. Especially when you learn more of the Svarim HaPnimim, especially when you learn more of the inner stuff, the more Hasidic stuff, so you, it's, it always drives you like, the goal would be that it's just kirvat Hashem, and that really, when once you have that, hakol kol ashar tafel v'kvar lo margishim tzorach lidkarev l'shum davar achim. I think that it's like a. It's, the expectation is fulfillment. The expectation is fulfillment. Now, it's still true. The question we still have is: I'm sure everyone in this room could say we've had those moments, and it doesn't necessarily shut down the chatterbox where <laughs> really it should because if it's shleim if it, if it brings shleimut it should bring shleimut if it's reaching the top of the tower then why am I looking down to see what else is there for me if that's considered the top of the tower so what I want us to all realize is that even if maybe you're not yet really ready to admit that that's something you felt or feeling now it's okay because that's one of the things of the of of what we've been experiencing since the time of Khurban Beit HaMikdash, because in the time of Beit HaMikdash, that actually was everything. There was, noth- there was nothing greater. There was nothing more special. There was nothing lacking. There was nothing missing. You weren't thinking about anything else. That was everything. And your body felt that it needed everything, and the neshama felt in unison and in harmony with the body, like we've been speaking about the last few weeks, about this harmony between body and soul. In the time of Beit HaMikdash, that thing which now we long for and say, like, if I only had that, well, in the time of Beit HaMikdash, thank you, it, was, it actually was like that. And you felt like you didn't need anything else. Anything else. It wasn't even a, a shayla. And, and you know what we had? We had the magic word that we've been saying. You had Shalom Bayit. I'm talking about Shalom Bayit, the Bayit, right? Not, I mean, I'm sure you also had Shalom Bayit in, in, your, in the house, too. Ariel, you have the Sefer, right? So it's Kuf Zayim. Okay. Sorry, we're on, on, we're on Kuf Ted Zayim. Do you have it on the pages that I gave? Mm-hmm. Kuf Ted Zayim. Kuf Ted Zayim on the pages that I gave out. Kuf Ted Zayim, you see in the, when it says in the bottom, Bizman HaMikdash? Okay, and on you, top of Kuf Zayim, Bizman HaMikdash. בזמן המקדש היה מושג קרבת אלוקים לעניין הכי שמח וטוב בחיים. In the time of the Beza Mikdash, like we just said right now, this concept of closeness to Hashem was the greatest, most simchadic thing in, 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 in life. There was nothing greater. There was nothing, nothing was missing. החדווה הגדולה ביותר הכאבת תחת השמש, the greatest exuberant joy that existed beneath the sun. However, after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, it happens. The Jewish heart feels not close to Dvekas and Hashem. It happens that 
that we don't feel this dveikus when it comes to being close to Hashem, because we're uncertain if the body is in agreement, if our mishkan gufani is in agreement with what the neshama is experiencing as good. Does that make sense? Yeah, not so much? If you're saying, I don't know, that means I have to pause <laughs> and really start davening. Explain. Yeah? Does it mean that the body does not agree that that is the most important thing, or that the body can't feel it, so it it's mitnaged, it's it's opposed to it? Like I'm, I'm not both, not both, both of what you just said. That the body, it's very good. Bless you. That the body, nachon, the body can't sense what the neshama is sensing. So the body's like, I don't really know if this is like the best thing in the world for me. What's, what's the first thing you said? Then you said two things. They're both mamash leinian. I could replay the whole thing now, but that'd be a little bit. <laughs> but the body means I give, and if the body I'm sorry? Oh, that even opposes, right. Nachon. I mean, when... Huh? It sounds like there's a trust issue, but now that I'm thinking about it, when is the one day a year you would think that the body and the soul are in complete harmony? Yom Kippur. But that's so that but that's so interesting is that um, the body is 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 and Besemcha on Yom Kippur and it's act, it's acting completely opposed to as it the way it acts all year long in terms of what it would mean to feel that it has that, that it's in a good place. So yeah, most of the time and what's Yom Yom Kippur is all about the, reenactment of the sense that we felt during Beit HaMikdash of Salachti, of forgiven. When there was clear to everyone, Akol, akol Machu. It kind of sounds like it might be some kind of desensitization that occurred with the Chorban. You know, the, definitely. Yeah, definitely. lost that ability to sense it. That, the Gamer, that, that is 100% aligned with how he's described it until now. And the body is wondering, can we really work together towards Avodashim? Like, and the Shama is like, you know, the body looks at the soul, the soul looks at the body, and it's like, can you please, can you please trust me? And the body looks at the soul and says, you're on, you're on like just a, a from freak out trip, religious trip, like, you do your thing, and I'm going to do my thing. It does. It's not. It, it's not. Most, it's not meant to work together in this world, because the fact is, we're separate, body and soul. We we function differently. We feel differently. We think differently. And then, we, but we have examples that like we just said of. I, I like it very much of Purim and Yom Kippur, where it actually it does. We see it is possible, but in the time of the Beit Hamikdash, what we're trying to say is that the body wasn't like nichna laguf. It's not like okay, I give up. You're running the show. It was mushlam, like we said last time. I think it was last week. Think about the Beit HaMikdash, place of spirituality. It's all holy, holy, holy. The person, the Kohen, that was busy with holy, 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 was covered in blood. He was shechting animals. He was lighting up incense. He was burning wood. It was all taking the, the Geshem, the Gashmi, and showing how this, is, this works in perfect harmony. Now, look what he's going to say now. I think, uh, uh, but the handouts, it's the next page. 
even those that come to a certain realization at a certain point in life, that living a Torah life is not, I go to a shir once a week, but really, my life really is catching up on, on whatever Netflix thing I'm in, or whatever other shtiot thing that I'm, you know, that's really like part of my, my, my life. But at a certain point, we have that, like the, the ball drops, and it's like, yeah, yeah. The nekuda of life really is avodat Hashem. And, and it's a tikkun from the way that it was said when we were younger, because avodat Hashem was, you know, whatever. I'm, as you could clearly see, I'm still fully traumatized from a lot of these concepts being given over to us in the high school that I went to. The words avodat Hashem should be the most luscious, beautiful, blissful, inviting, and warm words that anyone can say, as opposed to the finger. Avodat Hashem, right? Avodat Hashem, right? But really, a person at a certain point realizes, wow, being a servant of God is the nekuda amerkaz b'chaim sheli. That's the point of my life. Everything else around it is nice. Hopefully, it adds up. But this nekuda of my life, I'm an Eved Hashem. Gam hum, but even that person that comes to that realization, gam hum atzui kol but even that person is is struggling all day long with this inner maze that they find themselves in. Is spirituality actually my second nature? It's so, it's so real. I, mean, I don't have any other words to say. He's saying straight out. Even the person that came to the conclusion, Hashem, your service being an Eved Hashem, that's what the whole, that's what, that's what my life is really all about. He's saying even those people that come to that conclusion are still stuck in that question. The question of, is this really me? Or am I just like telling myself all day long that this is really me? But the real me is not this. The real me is someone that's so kashur, so much more at home with non-ruchani things. Because that's just who I am. And this is a very, very deep mevuchah. Uh, this is a very deep mevuchah. could also mean embarrassment. Like you're, you're almost like you're navoch. You're embarrassed from this because you know that you feel real when you're in, when you're plugged into whatever mitzvah or tefillah you're in. But then you wonder, like, well, if it really is me, then how come it doesn't last throughout the day? Like, what? And why is it that I have to always work myself up, back, you know, towards living like that? I'll give you an example. Someone came to the office this week. An amazing person. Really young person that's really looking at life right now in a really beautiful way. And they're debating right now whether... And the very big Brashem blessed this person with, like, mamash, a very... Uh, a very high level of intellect, and he can do amazing things in the world. Amazing things in the world, and I think he already has. And he said to me that he's debating really strong if he should already plan that for the next 30 years, based on the fact that financially he, wouldn't, he doesn't necessarily have to work, but in order to really dedicate himself to being like what's called Eved Hashem, if he should sit down and just learn for 30 years. So you can already tell how old the person is based on thinking that if you plan, you could actually have a plan, a 30-year plan. You could already sense what age we're speaking about. But what's it, 60-ish? 
Oh, no. <laughs> no. Exactly. He's much closer. <laughs> He's much closer to being a teenager than he is to a 60-year-old. That's for sure. And maybe he'll start working when he's when he's uh, sixty, right? And I, I said to him, I, I said to him, Tishma, listen really closely. To you, someone that's learning for thirty years, that's considered an eved Hashem, right? But that's still because you haven't realized that considering yourself an eved Hashem in this world and looking at the gifts that Hashem gave you is not only just as important as sitting and learning for thirty years. It may be way more important for you to be doing, first of all, never plan. Don't do 30-year plans. Think like 30-day plans. Start with that. Start with 30-day plans. It's great, a year plan. But what I was trying to bring over to him is that what is the, what defines an Eved Hashem? Like somehow the Yitzhahara comes and tells us an Eved Hashem is someone that is sitting and learning all day long and saying Tehillim all day long. And that's the Yetzirah. Now, for certain tzaddikim, no, of course, that's the that's of course the Yetzirah. But because Hashem put us in a world with brains and the and the world that we were that we were raised in, we have to understand that the context of being called an Eved Hashem is so much bigger. It's so much brighter. It's so much larger than just saying only if I do that, only if I sit and I'm segregated and I'm kind of like you know divided and separated from the whole world. Now, of course. You have people that don't have any other talents. There's no other aspirations. And for them, the the 30-year plan of sitting and learning every day really is the greatest thing in the world for them. This person is not that type of person. This person that's not his thing. He wants it to be his thing, to be considered an Eved Hashem. But it's not. What I think he's saying over here is that the problem that most of us have is that we... Are, are stuck inside of us saying, I don't understand something. The moments that I taste closeness to Hashem, I know that they're the greatest things in the world. But the body doesn't let me stay there. The body doesn't know how to, how to work hand in hand with that. Because I feel guilty the second then I'll stuff my face with a burekas or whatever, whatever it is. I mean, when you get really, really more intense with it, you feel guilty eating like a, a broccoli because it's, well, Why? Why would you feel guilty eating broccoli after a moment like this? Because you don't see how it goes hand in hand, how anything gashmi goes hand in hand with Lola Maruchani. In the base of the Mikdash, people weren't, I'm sure there were Weight Watchers clubs in, in, in the time of the Mikdash and all these things, but it wasn't, it wasn't a Milchama Pnimit. There was Shalom Bait. It, it stemmed. It worked together. In this world, even those of us that have come to a conclusion that Avodat Hashem is the most vital and chiyuni, essential inyan of our life, Inside, there's still a questioning, is this really, really me? Is this really, really me? Is this my second nature? Is this really, really me? Or am I just always trying to catch up with this piece of me that I love? This is like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, very detrimental to the soul when you can't call it out as being like, uh, as being what it is. Or, or of understanding that this is just a natural thing. This is something very important. He continues here, second paragraph. Lev yodea marat nafsho. Kama kashe lifol banefesh ha'agashat smecha v'tova. Mikach sheata zachiti dichyot tachat ha'shemesh. Keven yakir le'am skulato yidbarach. Every person knows the pain of their own soul. 
how hard it is to activate in the soul this feeling of semcha and good that emanates from the fact that I could wake up in the morning or end my day and say, Zachiti, I merited living in this world as a ben yakir la'amz gulatoid barach, meaning, who goes to sleep at night saying, I have, with a real sense of simcha in their heart and soul and in their existence, because they said, today I was privileged to spend my day in this world as part of Am Yisrael and as a ben or bat Torah. Maybe you all do. I, I, it's, not, it's not the norm. Maybe if it is in this room, but it's usually not the norm. He's saying, really, it should. It seems like that should be. If I've come to this realization in my life that there's nothing greater, and I look back at my day and I say, you know, my day was really more or less surrounded by the Nikudav being an Eved Hashem, why doesn't that sustain us? Why doesn't that fulfill us? Why doesn't it complete us? And then the guilt starts kicking in. And all these mind games start kicking in and confuse us and take us away from the point of it all. So we, were, we were talking in one of the other shirins about, um, like we hear these miracle stories, right? From the Melchama. Yeah. And then like, and then like two minutes later we forgot about it and we need another one, you know? And it's like that. that. And you said, we're like, is that true? Did that really happen? But like when you're here for the first time, you it fills something uh-huh. and then that just goes away. And then, like, you know, you're like, oh, whatever, the tuna fish can, that was like, that was yesterday's miracle. Like, now I need another one. <laughs> like, like they, they say that uh, after Har Eliyahu had the miracle and Har Kamal, the next day, everybody went back to... Right, or Yamsuf, right? <laughs> right, so in the base of Migdash, it actually stayed. Like, it says in the base of Migdash, well, also because no one went to sleep depressed in the time of the base of Migdash. Because they knew they had a korban shal ben arabayim. That was machaper on anything that may have gone wrong at night. And when they woke up in the morning, they knew there was a korban tamid shalaboker that already took care of anything that, God forbid, someone went... like There, there wasn't this balagan of wondering. The wondering. The wondering if I'm an imposter, it wasn't there. It, it didn't exist there. So many of us are stuck in this. This is really uh, real stuff. Mamash, lemaisa stuff. It's like the real... This, this boils down to all the shooting we learn and all these stories we learn... Boils down to, is this really me? Is this really me? It, and especially like this, you know, I'll give you an example. Of, of like, I'll try to relate to it personally. I could say to myself, all the tires of the Baal Shem Tov and, and Rabbi Nachman and Davening and Tehillim and whatever you want to say, okay, whatever you want to add to it. And I feel so at home with it, okay? And then someone would then um, walk by me and start humming the theme song of a show that I grew up on. And I would relate to it. It even get me a little bit giddy or happy, or I would mashlim, or I'd finish the theme song, right? Like, imagine, you give a whole shit, we're learning Shavuos night, right? And then, like, someone's, and then we have a conversation, and someone overhears me saying, listen, this is just, like, this is the facts of life. And then someone starts saying, you take the good, you take, right? And then I'm like, Oh my God, I still relate to that. Oh my God, it means the whole night was wrong. It was, right? So in the time of the base of the Mikdash, even if someone would, would sing that theme song, obviously, right? It wouldn't infiltrate into my wondering if what I just experienced was real. Do you understand? 
Yeah, yeah. It's a different way of. It's a different mitziut. It's a different reality. Because there was. So wait, so then they, so then they, so okay, so then they go to shul on a Friday night, then they feel something. So then, what happens to them then when they walk home? There's a tension. There's tension, right? Yeah. So there's tension there. You know, it's a really good ma'amai to learn. I don't. We never did it. It's 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 more for men, but it, I, I, based on this, I feel like it'd be really shyach. It's a ma'amai. It's one of. The, it's the first mimer of the Alter Rebbe that I ever learned. Um, called Maim Rabim. It's a discourse of the Alter Rebbe called Maim Rabim because there. Did you ever learn it with them? A little bit, yeah, from now. Yeah. Because there, the Alter Rebbe explains the dreams that Hashem has for people, for the Rabbeim, the Tzadikim, and the Balabatim. And really, when you think about it, you have to understand that Hashem had a dream for a potential balabas, a potential gvir, and for ha- gvir to then say, no, 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 this isn't real here. I have to go and learn all day long. You're going against Ratzon Hashem. I mean, he develops this like, like incredibly deep, but based on the on the pasuk from uh, from Shirashir, Maim Rabim, he calls that Tirdota Parnasa. Maim Rabim, all the all the financial straits we're in. You can't use that as an excuse to say, I can't love Hashem. But I think that what he's, what he's bringing us here to is, let's say like this, listen, you, you put it like this, you have Torah in your life. I'm not trying to, like, all the, like, as if I know what I've been talking about, but I could know, based on just the last few years, you have Torah in your life, a little bit more than the person that just works all week long and maybe on Chavez goes to Shulnachlon. So you could, you're, already more sensi- you're already more sensitive to this notion that the tension is there. What he's describing, the tension is inside each person. And he's saying that's because we live in a world without, the sin- without, the shal- without Shalom Bayit. Without Shalom Bayit. Without Shalom Bayit. That's, that's what people cry for the Churban based on Migdash. What does that mean based on what he's saying over here? Is that we walk around trying so hard to feel connected, and we are, and yet it doesn't really take over the reality of my life. The miracle didn't, doesn't take I, I totally agree with what you said. The miracle, and they keep on happening day in, day out, and every day I'm hearing more and more and more Sipurei Gvura. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, yesterday I did, uh, I, I went to do a podcast for the, for the OU, the OU here, the OU. And the head of the OU here in Israel is a dear friend of mine, Rabbi Avi Berman, and he's very close and a neighbor of Miriam Peretz. So he told me that Miriam Peretz, who, who it's good she wasn't elected as Nasiya Medina, because she has to be Rav Rashi of, uh, <laughs> she's... She's everything that we need. It's like, it's, it's not to be believed. So she said, she had a, at that point when he spoke to her, she already went through 160 shiva houses. Wow. This was two weeks ago. And then she said that she had this, talk about like, what else would you need to be inspired? She said that up until 
this war, she always had a dilemma when she would reach Har Herzl, which son to go to first. Mm-hmm. That was her dilemma. She said, what's the, what's the dilemma now? She says, that's not a dilemma. Because now she's looking at these families and the families, the Khatufim, and she says, what a schut I have that I have t- both kvarim to go to. Who lives like this? These are people that are walking around in 2024. You realize that? Now, you would think, what greater heroic inspiration would you need from life? I promise you, what I told you right now is going to be out of your system by the time we finish this year. (laughs) Right? How depressing is that? How sad is that? And even if you remind yourself every 20 minutes... You could set a thing on your cl- on your phone. <laughs> it's only because we live in a world without Beit Hamikdash. A world with Beit Hamikdash. First of all, she should have tchias amazing with her children. It'll be a whole different world. But it means that the sense of feeling close, of feeling so good about being close, it's not this thing that is just has to do with the soul moment. But I'm really in a physical world, and I have to keep on worrying about masach and all these other things. That is my reality. My reality is what I'm feeling in that story in the moment that, I'm, that I hear it. That's why we have to keep on filling ourselves with all these things. But at a certain point, we're like, you know, I can tell you, I've even felt this. Like, you know, I can't hear any more miracle stories. I can't, I can't hear anymore. Because I need to be Mashiach by now. By hearing, like, I, I should be Mashiach by now. I should figure out a way that I became Mashiach with all the inspiration that I'm hearing. How could I not become Mashiach? How could I not be perfect? How could I not like appreciate every single thing based on all these hero stories? This is the this is the turmoil that he's describing that happens to us in a world that we're living in that we know Kirvat Elokim and Eved Hashem is everything, and we're also very aware that it's not doing what it ideally and essentially can do to us. And that's intense. That's inside, it's a big and then our children that see us stress the whole thing of oh Hashem, life with Hashem in the Torah, that's that brings you the greatest joy in the world. And they're saying, you know, Abba, you don't look that, that <laughs> you don't look that bis, like Bismcha all the time. You know? You don't look that Hamish and, and, and like yeah. floating all day long. And mommy, you you did get mad at me after Adlakat Nerot, when, when the whole world is waiting to sing the song at Shabbos, and you know you were in the Yom Shukur Shabbos, and then you, I don't know that walk to shul wasn't exactly like you know what's that family that always would like sing and dance together, the Von Trapps, huh? yeah, it didn't, it didn't look like the Von Trapps. This is where Lev Marat Nafsho. Each person knows how this thing, how how this tension and this. This distance affects us. Everyone knows this. Again, Lev Yodea Marat Nafsho, Kama Kashe Lifol Banefesh, Hagasha Smecha Vetova, Mikashatazahiti Lichyot Tahata Shemesh, Keven Yakir Leamsgulatoid Barach. I go by the day, the day passes, and I don't go to sleep saying, I was an Eved Hashem in this world today. Could it get any better? Could it get any better? Who goes to sleep like that? You know what? Those, and I have to say it. Those that go to sleep like that, I would never hang out with them in high school. Or it, it'd be too, like, even today, it's like too, like, come on, like, snap out of it, you know? Even though, even though what's really happening is that I wish, I, you know, I wish 
that that was like my experience and the real me. But it's like, come on, come back here, you know? How many explanations and, and um, excuses does a Yid need? A Yid who's the prince, princess of Malchus. How many, different, how many different things do I have to, I need to hear all the time about saying, you know, that, that simple Pashtut of Kirvat Hashem is all I need. How many times do I have to hear these shmuzes? How many, how many hero stories and how many like people that go through suffering and then come and tell me a word? How many times do I need to hear this? To lift me up, to elevate my experience of what I'm going through the world. How many times do I have to hear these things over and over and over again? I, I'm jumping ahead right now, not in text, but I, I'll just share with you because I don't want to forget it. I will tell you one thing that I'm coming back to more and more that I think is the key to be able to allow ourselves to function like this. And it's going to sound so cheesy and corny and cliche, <laughs> but I feel like it's it's coming back to this. And I, I'm looking at people that I've, I look in my life that I've seen or that I've experienced or that I've learned from, whether it was in my life or in the previous generation, I said, well, who actually lived like, like, like this of being in awe of the privilege of being a Yid? And it's, it's people that have become people that actually their nekuda of, in this world is that they love. Their whole thing is that they emanate love. They really love. They really love. They know how to love people. They love. Their default is love. They love, they love people, they love, they love life. And I feel like those people that they really love, and, and you could look on them, you could look at certain people, like, that, tell me about that person, what, what Torah does he have to say? I, say? I don't know anything, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Their chiddush in this world is not necessarily they gave me a pshat and, and, and yochavit shifra and puar. Maybe yes, maybe no, but what's really going to twist me over a million times over is that I look at them, they're anshe ava. they really love. Like, really. They really, really love. And that sounds so corny, and cheesy, and gushy, and all these things. However, it's really the, uh, that it's the petach hashar, it's the opening of, to access, living in awe of, living in awe before the b'schut of being a Jew in this world. For me, my, my I would call girsa diankuta, you know what that means? Girsa de Yankasa, you never heard this expression before? What's that? Nursing? <laughs> it sounds like it. Yankudna, Yankuta, you mean like, my, it has to do with child, meaning the, the first teacher of Torah in my life, right? The first teacher of Torah in my life at the age of 14 was Reb Shlomo. Like, I really only started learning Torah in his, in, in his, um, in, with his soundtrack. <laughs> like, yeah, now then, after a while, I'd be like, oh, okay, after like many years, like, wow, this is like, this is the platform. Then I'd hear other people teaching, and I'd be like, well, they're saying so much wiser things, and it doesn't mean anything to me. It's just, 
intellectual gymnastics, you know, it's just like building things. Up. And I and then I, like I'm coming back to it after after so many years now, you know, it's like Kimat. It's gonna be thirty years this year that he died, and like right after he died, this like that was Hashem. I got the greatest gift in the world that that became the soundtrack of how I learn, how I understand things, and how I relate to Hashem. And I'm going back to it. It's like it really boils down to like. Can you really say I love and I, I love the Torah. I love Yeshem. I love this experience of being in this world with all its pain and all of its confusions. And I think the more that love is what, what becomes the the headquarters of my experience in this world, the more I'm in awe. I'm in awe of being here in this world. And people that I connect with the deepest are not those that are necessarily looking for the deepest, craziest vortlach. And I don't connect it. It's just like, can after I'm learning something, does it bring me more to feeling like I love in this world? And I'll share with you, you know this already, but the person, like one of the people that have really shown me this more and more and more, especially the last two years, someone sometimes, someone, I have a person that leaves me a voice na- a message, here, out of the blue. Shlomo, ani ohevotcha. Right? And, and that's like, and it's and we're so that's Hanan, Hanan ben Ari. Sometimes, every like sometimes I'll leave him a, vo- a voice note about something that we we're discussing. Like it, it all boils, it comes back to that. You feel like I'm in awe of this. I'm going through life with a person that can talk to me like that, and it doesn't freak me out. It's like an amazing thing. But that means what does it cause you to do to appreciate? this gift of actually experiencing closeness, like being in it, being in it. Because really, it should. this is what it should do to us, the experience of understanding that I'm a Jew, I've, 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 I'm an Eved Hashem in this world. What else could lift up a das of a Yid? When you hear that your experience with Hashem, your, your, your relationship with Hashem got so high, can you imagine if you knew, like, you know, Hashem is waiting to hear from you? What, what, what greater thing, what, what could bring you more excitement in this world? If you actually felt Hashem is wait, Hashem is not Hashem is waiting to hear from you. You didn't create Not that. Delete that from the. If that's part of the, you know, the 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 gist of the ankuta. Yeah, Hashem. It's like there's two ways of saying it. Hashem is, Hashem is expecting to hear from you by what time is Eight forty-three. Or can you imagine that you're in the world and God, the creator of the universe, is waiting to receive from you something? Why can't we feel that? And why can't we um, convey that to our kids? We could. Okay, why can't I? (laughs) You could. Maybe you all could. (laughs) Yeah, your son called me last night from checking out yeshivas. The way he's looking at yeshivas, trust me. Don't don't doubt yourself too much. (laughs) (laughs) If you, if you allow yourself to, if you allow you or yourself to believe it, 
then it's not, because you don't have to convey it. You just have to be it. Everyone's always wondering how are we going to solve the chinuch problem. The chinuch problem, the chinuch problem is much easily solved when ch- when children experience what their parents look like when they're engaged in conversation with Hashem. It's hard when we try to figure out with words and to define it. It's true. That becomes very, very difficult. But I, I just want to call it the Eitzahara right now on you. Mamash. Because I, I'm, I'm a living example of someone that could see that it actually is con- conveyed to a certain extent, each person in their own way. We have to believe in it. Like They're getting more than we realize. They're getting more than we realize through that way of like, it's like, it's a, it's a Chaim Chinuch, you know. But to be able to say, like, you know, what a what an Indian, like what what could make you what could make you feel more special than actually being under the impression that Hashem is waiting to hear from you? There's nothing greater in the world. Nothing greater in the world. Isn't it from Rav Kugur that you shared like last Shavuos about the the notes in the bedside yeah. table, right? Nihilat Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, we are the ones that are, are, are giving God something? Most of us don't live an experience that, like, we're actually giving God something. It's either we're either a Chil Hashem or a Kiddush Hashem. This is what it says in the Zohar Kadosh. This is how kosher every Hashem serve Hashem. They bring before God praises. Mikra Meforash, how do we know this? Ve'ata Kadosh Yoshev Teilot Yisrael. This is a Torah from the Baal Shem Tov. When does God, so to speak, or where does God, so to speak, choose to have Menucha, to sit? Ve'ata Kadosh Yoshev. When does God sit? When does He have a moment, so to speak, to relax? When what? Teilot Yisrael. When you're praising God, Hashem says, this is like, this is, this is where I actually want to just be, like, you know, the me that not everyone sees. Like, the person takes off the jacket, puts his feet up, Kiv obviously, all, so to speak. V'ata kadosh yoshev teilot. teilot Yisrael, by us praising the experience, not saying, you're great, you're great, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's a very Christian concept. You're the best, you're the best, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. Even if it's true, that's not, that's not the point. It's just being in awe of, like, you created this world. I'm in it. You ever go to the ocean and notice the the beautiful art? of a, It's called a shore and sand and water. It's hard in this, like, you know, urban, in this, like, concrete jungle we live in here to really get a, get a, get a sense of it. But they stop and being Hashem and actually meaning it. And not just making sure you're, you know, Kriyat Shema is coming up. You better get to... These words are meant for us to be in awe of being, being alive in this world. This is so amazing. This is so amazing. Can you imagine like what that means? Like you give God Yeshuv Adas Bishvil Tehilot Yisrael when you when you when you take time to say being in this world, the world that you created and you put me here and you made me part of this shutafut of Bria. Do you know what happens? In this last Chazal, he quotes it here from Likute Sichas. Oh, sorry, Yalko Chimoni. 
You see, by you it also says Yalkut Shimoni. Yalkut Shimoni, the major says, Miyashev Da'ato. So to speak, cause Hashem to have Yishuv Adas, Bishvil Teilot Yisrael, for the praises of Am Yisrael. Dehine Zoi Bechinat Ma'amar Chazal, this is what it means when it says, Lemelech Shaita Lobat Yechida. Vaya Ohava Yoter Midai. He loved her. Doesn't, proper Hebrew is too much, but that's not what it means. Not Yoter Midai, it just means. He just loved her so much. He loved her so much till he started referring to her as sister. Holy sister, right? And he, he, he loved her so much, he eventually referred to her as mom, as mother. That's which that's how in Shirashim Shlomo Melech describes these levels of love. You know, in Chasidus, it says, "What's higher than a love between um, a husband and wife? A husband and wife is still bechira. I, I chose to marry them. I could choose chalila to divorce them. Then you go to the place of achoti. Whether I I didn't choose this, it's beyond me. The connection is so deep. That's why, based on Chasidus, Avram Avinu refers to Sarah." When they go down to Mitzrayim, wow, and now I know how beautiful you really are. Imri na achotiat. It's beyond choice. You're, you're my soulmate beyond choice. I said, I didn't even choose this. It's beyond. We're like brother and sister. The deeper thing is to say, imi. You're my mother. You give me, you brought me life. You brought me to this world. Your existence actually gives me life in this world. That is how Hashem calls, speak, refers to us. Achoti yonati tamati ra'ayati. God is so anticipating to hear what's in our hearts, what's going on inside of us, like the way that a, that a mother can console her son, the words that a, a son needs to hear, the consolation, the real consolation can only come from a mother. He's saying, it's tafkidim afuchim. We're the mother and God is ki'ilu, the child needing to hear. Now you hear these words and you're like, I don't buy that fluff, right? Come on. It's like, okay, choose to keep on, keep on living that life and good luck giving that over to your children. Check to see how much they want to be in touch with you once they're out of the house. Or how much they, they long to be back at your Shabbos table. Go for it. If this is fluff, what else works? What, work, what works? And it, there's such a... There, there, one more paragraph and we'll finish. Ahava rabba v'chemla kogdola v'yetera v'adayin kaved lev yudi alav. There's so much love... There's so much love in the air. There's so much love available. There's so many moments that we do have like this. Come on. You don't, you don't feel at a certain point in life when you actually allowed yourself to pour your heart before, before Hashem that you weren't giving nachas to Hashem by bringing it before God. And yet he says we have those moments where you just feel it's all so much love. And the heart of a Jew is still heavy on him. Is there a greater exile in the world? 
a personal exile that a person can feel. And what does exile mean? That you're in a foreign land, that you're in a place that's not yours. Is there a greater sense of feeling in galut than the thing that's supposed to make you feel so geuladik fades away? Be'emet amru, mitalech yehudi, benale bad vekinot, shoel at atzmo, ha'achen margish ani ke'ev koldu mechmat ha'chorban? Ha'yesh Hashem bekirbi? האם הטרגדיה הנוראה של הגלות נוגעת אכן בליבי הנבוך? person asks himself, do I really, am I really connected to the fact that there's no Beit HaMikdash? I don't know. Not necessarily. ואינו יודע ומרגיש כי עצם הווייתו הקרואה are going through this world as ripped people that suffer from imposter syndrome, and, and most of us go through that. He says, that I can't really tell. Am I really connected or am I disconnected from Hashem? You, this experience that we just described, he says, is the greatest illustration in the most shocking way of what it means to mourn over Chorban Beit HaMikdash. You know, I already decided I'm not doing keynote this year, I tell you. This Tisha B'Av. 100% not. I didn't want to do it last year either. I, don't, I feel like it has nothing to do anymore with anyone's experience of Churban Abayit, Mechila, and also after Simchas Torah, we do not need the keynote from there to bring us there. But this is, this is keynote. This piece is keynote. What is keynote supposed to bring us to? Remembering what we had. Right? This is explaining to us what we had. We didn't have imposter syndrome. We had shalom bayis going on inside. And the person that's wondering, do I feel the churban or not? What are you talking about? Look at your life. Look at the wondering you're constantly struggling with. Wondering, is it happening? Is it not happening? Will the real me stand up? That is, that is actually the greatest enact, you know, reenactment of, of the moment there was churban abayit. And you don't even know how to cry over your own Khurban, because you're not even sure if it's worth crying over. Like a person that lost somebody, but you're so buried so deep in the pain that we're seeing with a lot of people, they're not able to even weep. They can't even cry over their own pain and struggle and suffering. So this is, in a weird way, actually supposed to make us happy. I know that sounds insane after what I just said. Why is it supposed to make us happy? Because I'd rather be awake and aware in this world than continuing to go on under the assumption that... Just, you know, make sure make sure you do your nachiomi or whatever it is, you know, like just make sure that, that that's going to make you feel good. Like that's going to fulfill, that's going to satiate you. I'm happy about these things because he's basically giving us legitimacy for our mishigas. He's validating. Yes. Yes. And taking away the guilt over not feeling. Exactly. That, that. It, actually, this is a very freeing Torah. He's validating, he's removing 
that word guilt is sin is bad guilt is evil that the guilt thing you know even when we talk about it could start to make us it puts us into guilty chambers of saying um I feel guilty that I didn't do his body right no, 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 they can't. It, it, then it becomes like all the other things that I eventually have to suppress so much because it just brings out too many guilty feelings as opposed to, this is what I, Hashem is waiting to hear from me. As opposed to, Hashem is waiting to, Hashem is waiting to hear from you. So he's... It should be a very connective thing that like every time you feel that guilt, well, every time you feel that like, my kids, my, uh, my stuff, like you could actually kind of turn that into... Based on Mikdash. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? And then you, like... It'd be beyond... It would be awesome in a way that we don't haven't even experienced awesome yet. To us, awesome is still like a lightning bolt. Like, wow, high moment. You know, more. Let's share the last thing. It's already late. And I, I was speaking about... I used to speak about this with Rev Weinberger all the time. That the... Con, that when I was doing all the concerts, nonstop... I'd go home quite often very depressed. Not because the shows weren't good. The shows were good, but I didn't want to have a high that has a low. And I knew, like, wait a second, it's getting so high. But this world is, it's, I already was anticipating the low that came off of, like, well, what do you do? You experience a Mashiach moment with thousands of people. And then, like, you know, so... Rav Weinberger said to me, that's because you don't have Yisod yet. I wasn't married. He said, that's because you don't have Yisod yet. He says, because you don't have a place to bring it into the house. But now I'm thinking about it deeper is that all of us are still single because we don't have a place to bring it into the house, the Beis HaMikdash. But also Shalom Bayes that you're staying within too. Right. Right. So it has to... As, as cliche as it sounds, we have to be walking based on Migdashes until, until Hashem decides, I have enough Rahmanis on you, and I'll, I'll infuse you with the notion of, I'm either going to bring it down or you're going to build it right now, however it happens. Machlokas, we have Rashi and, and, and Shia Sayam that shows us all the different deot. We once learned it when you're in Parashat B'Shalach, but I just want to give us a bracha to not be depressed by Torahs like this, but to actually understand deeper what he's telling you. He's basically telling us, you're not crazy. <laughs> that isn't real. It's just, it's just an illusion. Nachon, you're not crazy. You're, you're born into a world without the headquarters of Shalom Bayez. You're not Meshuggah at all. So, and Kobra are said, you supposed to surrender to that experience of confusion and lack of Shalom Bayez, though? Like, is that our path yet right now? Like, the way I always look at it is, like, to try to get out of it. Almost to, like, almost to chase those moments, right? Like, chase those Well, this goes back to the question that you really, we didn't really address from the other shear. I've been thinking about it a lot this week. Is that if I call the era that I'm living in the beginning of Keula, see, living and running around Poland or Germany or wherever I was for 2,000 years, I'd have to probably surrender to in order to survive. I don't think I don't think it's going to work in this reality that we're living in right now, where we came back to Eretz Yisrael and built this whole thing up. 
and have chayelim. It's not going. The surrender thing isn't going to work. It's going to confuse us even more. It's it's figuring out something deeper that he's going to lead us to, of what to do with it. You, well, you've yeah. mentioned it a bunch of times, but will he address, like, what, so what went wrong? Can you just address? Like, if you had all the shalom by it? He, he will, and I just want to point something out. The other safe, no, no, but we also touched on it last Thursday. It came up in this shear last day, which was so interesting. You know, Rav Sassun, <clears throat> we have about almost, I don't know, 25, 26 classes on two chapters in Rav Sasson's book, they they don't the chevra from there are freaking out. They're trying to understand how do you have, how could it, what, how much could you actually talk about on such small amount of text? Like, listen, when you're dealing with what life is boiling down to, it expands, it expands. So yes and yes, but on both levels, both with him and with him and with Rav Sasson, yeah, hundred percent. However, it will it will only be relevant to a certain extent because it's still not yet. There's something else going on right now over here. It's even deeper over here in our time that we're in right now. So I just would like to go back to what you're saying that the surrendering thing, it, 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 surrender was survival in Gullahs. It was. The, the, the thing is that, and this gets very full of tension, is that growing up Zionist, Bnei Akiva and all that stuff, it was always like, you know, Geula, it, it started. And then, you, then you, you realize none of those slogans lasted with Kimat anyone in my life that was actually spiritual and open heart. It was always the, the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov that then grabbed people. And the Baba Chirabi said it's actually absolutely usher to call this what we're experiencing right now the beginning of Geula. Which brings us back to Rav Cook, who said, well, wait a second, the Geula happens, you know, it is kim'ah, kim'ah, there's all this tension. And I realize, I don't care anymore. I don't care. I don't care. I, it, it weighs too heavy on me what I define this. I don't care. Loch Batli. What I care about is experience. And what I'm experiencing, on a fact level, is millions of Jews back in Eretz Yisrael trying to figure it out. That's all I know. Call it whatever you want. But I still could relate to when you say the word galus, that we're in, living in galus, which many people in the room can't stomach that. But that's because the way we're programmed, the way we, we, we were educated. But I, you know, I could relate to that, but I also could relate to noticing, wait a second, something here is happening, right? But I want to, like, I'm removing myself more and more from defining, is it or isn't? I don't care, and I don't know. I know what's in front of me. I know Chayalim are getting killed every day so I could make it happen here. That's what I care about. Hopefully we're all removing ourselves from that figuring out is this Golis or Geula. That's not the question anymore. Is it Havaya? Is it experience? Am I finally living an experience? Geula is living a Havaya, living an experiential way of living. And that's, that to me is becoming more and more the meaning of living Geula, living consciously, awake. Okay, I kept you for too long. Hashem will continue Sunday. Thank you.